I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, the UK is protecting consumers, and so is Singapore, and so is the EU. That and some listener questions coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. I did it again, 22. I'm on a roll, actually. This is the second time I'm recording this because I realized that I said 21. I got a couple emails from listeners over the past week that I didn't address via email or on the show, so let's do that right now. Mark wrote in, I'm a UK resident who enjoys your daily podcast. You've helped my learning curve over the past year. Very grateful. Was interested about the conversation you had yesterday about the unbanked people around the world and how crypto can help them. This is where I need a little bit of understanding. How do people open an account on an exchange and get fiat money into their account if there is a requirement to transfer money from a bank in the first place and also KYC? I'm sure there's ways, otherwise you wouldn't be talking about this. However, I'm too far new to understand. Please give me some examples. Thanks again for your effort. Yours respectfully, Mark. Mark, thank you very much for that question. And this is literally what we're talking about is the, I guess privilege that we have in the United States, the UK, and the Western world for our banking and our financial infrastructure. You just mentioned a bank. Your bank's going to give you a debit card. You have money going in there from your paycheck. You can link that debit card to your Google Pay, your PayPal, your Venmo, and you have these uh, this ability to get money, to receive money, to transact, to buy things, to shop on Amazon. And then you connect your bank to Coinbase and you buy yourself some crypto. And now you have crypto that you can play with for the most part. But crypto in a lot of places in the world is literally going to be, is the only option they have for some kind of financial payment rails. Look, a country could have a bank, but it's only in their capital. And everywhere outside of the capital, over the few branches they might have, has no access to banking. And the people of said uh, rural places or outside of the capital might not have ID to, or don't even, they don't even think about ID, <laughs> to get part of that whole financial system that we're so accustomed to and that we're so intertwined with. So banking the unbanked, for example, with Bitcoin, is literally somebody having a smartphone, downloading a Bitcoin wallet, making an address, maybe with a traditional Bitcoin or the Lightning Network, and then being able to transact in Bitcoin, send something to the grocer, send something to services that they might need or products that they might need, and also receive money, Bitcoin, for their products, if it's their crops or their work or uh, the, the, the trade that they do. So this is allowing people to be their own bank and create financial rails so they can be involved in a financial system and help commerce and help their businesses. And that's not even talking about DeFi. With DeFi and digital identity, your banking, your KYC, your AML is your Bitcoin wallet. So you can be part of like a digital finance or a decentralized finance and get these same benefits of say a bank, but now with crypto and the digital. It is trying to fill the void of the lack of financial infrastructure that we enjoy in the West that might not be in developing countries around the world. 
I hope that helps you understand, Mark, but this is a very important tool and a very important innovation and product that can be deployed around the world for people that don't have access to your Fifth Third, your your Bank of America, your Chase, and, and don't have the financial infrastructure in place like we have. This next question comes from Rob. Rob wrote, when you make it to D.C. as representative as congressman, what would you do to make cryptocurrencies act like currencies, not a security? Another way of stating this dilemma is I want to buy a Tesla car with my Tesla stock. I know that's not an option, but if it was, what's the difference between cryptocurrency and securities like Tesla? What am I missing? I'm a believer in decentralized currencies. I hodl several coins, but I've only been in the space for less than a year. Rob, that is a very good question, and it is the conversation that's being had with regulators right now. Where does cryptocurrencies or do cryptocurrencies fit? And are they one size fit all? Or are, do we have to have regulations for each individual project and how they're created? And that's why we've been talking about on the show about the Howey test. And that is the test that we use in the United States to see if something is a security. Bitcoin is not a security. It is either a commodity or it could be a currency. And I think that what we need to do is, and if I was in Congress, what I would propose is that we make separate regulatory bodies that actually understand and regulate the cryptocurrency or, or digital asset space because the amount of versatility that comes with cryptocurrencies, it could be a security, but it also could act like a payment system that you need to hold, like for example, Ethereum. I'm not saying Ethereum is a security, but what I am saying is that you need Ethereum to even use the network. Just like Solana, you need to have Solana to pay for gas fees, to mint NFTs, to be part of a staking system or a DAO. So there's a lot of different things that we have to take into account. And there's many other aspects to it as well. I mean, there's the miners, the airdrops, the interest, the all kinds of different things. So I think that we need to have a regulatory body that's outside of the SEC, the CFTC, the OCC, the Fed, that comes in and learns about cryptocurrency, digital assets, and this space, Web3, the whole nine, and really makes a very rich and detailed and nuanced plan about how these new emerging payment rails, this infrastructure, this technology is used. And you're right. Bitcoin could act like a commodity like gold, and you might have to pay capital gains tax every time you utilize it in some instances. And in some instances, maybe you want to buy a car with your Bitcoin or a Coca-Cola even with your Bitcoin. And maybe that should not be a taxable event because of the way it's being used. Maybe we just look at the way something is used instead of what it is and how it's constructed. Could Ethereum be a payment system just like a money? And it shouldn't be taxed like that if I buy things with it? Maybe. If I get interest on it, maybe it is an interest-bearing thing and I, it's taxed like income, maybe. Maybe if I'm just hodling it, maybe it's taxed like a security and I have paid capital gains tax and it's thought of as a security, maybe. <laughs> and I hate to say that this is a very hard conversation to have, but these are the questions that we are need to be having right now. And I'm for creating a whole different separate regulatory body for this industry in these cryptocurrencies and digital assets. And me personally, I think in most cases, it's not about what the currency, the cryptocurrency is, but how it's used. But then there's the companies. I mean, what if you start an ICO and you raise money to fund your company with ICO tokens? Well, then the investor is definitely looking for, you know, returns on that investment. So that is definitely a security. However, now that you invested in that ICO and you hold tokens, but that token is now being used to transact, maybe within their own ecosystem, it's going to be a taxable event every time you transact for something within the ecosystem, call it a NFT. I don't know about that. 
So it's complex. It is definitely something that we need to really dig down into and see if we have the, well, first, infrastructure and the ability to create a robust system that can handle the versatility of cryptocurrencies. And um, it's a big conversation that I can't unpack all in the beginning of this episode, but I can tell you right now that I think there should be a separate regulatory body and there has to be very deep dive on the nuance and the use cases of digital assets. Now, let's look at those crypto prices. And I'm recording this at 11.22 Eastern Standard Time, and I think I'm running late again today. Bitcoin is in at $41,824, up a half a percent in 24. Ethereum's at $3,100, even down 0.6%. Teller's number three, Binance Coin, is at 465, up 1.1%. Cardano's number five, running off the top 10. USDC, Solana, XRP, Luna, and Polkadot. Total market cap, we're at $1.97 trillion. A BTC dominance of 40.2 and an F dominance of 18.8. And now it's time for Coin of the Day. Our Coin of the Day today is number 70 on CoinMarketCap, AMP, ticker AMP. Price, 3.8 cents, down 2% in 24. Market cap, 1.6 billion. Fully diluted market cap, 3.5 billion. 46% of AMP is in circulation. Its max supply is around 92.5 billion tokens. All-time high for AMP was... Seven months ago, at 12.1 cents, it's down 68% since then. Its all-time low was a lot of zeros and a seven, but it's up 5,000% since then. Where can you buy it? You can buy it on Coinbase, Gemini, Binance, Binance.us, and Uniswap. What is AMP? AMP is described as a digital collateral token offering instant, verifiable assurances of any kind of value transfer. Using AMP, networks like Flexa can quickly and irreversibly secure transactions for a wide variety of asset-related use cases. And that's AMP. Number 79 coin market cap ticker AMP. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Moving into my favorite part of the day, headlines. At least it better be my favorite part of the day. This is literally what I do. Polygon Studios-backed eSports closes an oversubscribed $2.25 million round to launch eSports Metaverse platform. The heavily oversubscribed round includes Alphabet, Cosmos, Kernel Ventures, and more. The funds raised will go toward the development of a non-fungible token NFT-based eSports marketplace in eSports-focused Metaverse. There you have it. This bit of news actually I find pretty cool. Singularity DAO, it's a token that represents a basket of crypto assets and is traded by hedge fund traders and AI. And, well, the performance that of their trading is better than the market as a whole. So they found that they can significantly reduce risks to investors by protecting them against huge losses during a bear market. The Bitcoin Dynaset was down 0.21% when the whole market, with Bitcoin's market, was down 12.5%. And they did the same thing with Ethereum. So what they're proving is that AI can basically trade better than people. We knew this was coming. This probably happens more than we know, but it's very interesting. And I want one of these AI bots. 
The UK government is back again, introducing legislation to protect its consumers from misleading cryptocurrency advertisement, according to a recent announcement on the government website. It's thought that around 2.3 million people in the UK, or 3.4% of the UK population, now own cryptocurrencies. Some other sources think it's around 3.3 million, or 5% of the population. Long story short, there's millions of people holding crypto. The government's announcement points to research that suggests that understanding of what cryptocurrency actually is, is declining. <laughs> and, uh, wait, wait for this. This likely refers to a previous study by the UK's Financial Conduct Authority, or the FCA, in which 71% of the 2,568 respondents who heard of crypto were able to identify its definition correctly. So what they're trying to say is because of this study, they're showing that from 2020 and other times that they've done these kind of studies, the idea or the definition or the people understands what cryptocurrency is, is declining. Therefore, they need to protect people now. And I, I don't like this uh, kind of I, I looked at the study. Um, I, I dug around a little bit this morning with this, and it just looks like they're trying to set up their own narrative, to be honest with you. And it's definitely not taking into account that the market is growing and expanding. And so the definition is becoming more broad. Uh, so I think this is super biased. And well, I, you know, I usually don't give my opinions on the news, but this one, I just think uh, uh, the, the links in the show notes, you read the article, you read the study. Let me know what you think. Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. Cryptocurrency ATMs are shutting down across Singapore after the Monetary Authority of Singapore, or the MAS, the city's state financial service regulator, cracked down on crypto-related advertising. MAS's new guidelines regarding ATMs were an unexpected surprise, says the largest crypto ATM operator. Providing in-person access to DPT, or Digital Payment Token Services, in public areas through the use of an ATM machine is a form of promotion of DPT services to the public. Such convenient access may mislead the public to trade these tokens on impulse without considering the risks of trading in these tokens, said the regulator. This halt includes ATMs, but it also means that cryptocurrency companies operating in Singapore can no longer engage with third parties like social media influencers, nor promote their services anywhere other than on their own website, apps, or official social media accounts. Which, I don't know what I think about this. What do you think about it? Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. You don't have ATMs around the country selling Tesla stock. You also don't have like billboards also saying Tesla go up. <laughs> I know I like how Tesla is like the go-to stock for everybody to make an example with now. But ATMs now again, this goes back to I guess the beginning of this whole podcast of how I would look at legislation in the United States, and it goes back to defining what we're talking about, how it's being used, and it seems as though nobody even has a working definition of Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies and what they should do and how they should be used and how people can use them and what they're for. Uh, like, But we're just making rules now. And we have to define what we're making rules for before we make the rules. European Securities and Market Authority has called for a ban of proof-of-work mining based on the industry's high energy demands. Bitcoin mining has become a national issue for many countries in the EU, Sweden, Iceland, a lot of places that Bitcoin mining has went to. The solution is to ban proof-of-work. Proof-of-stake has a significantly lower energy profile, said the Director General of Sweden's Financial Services Regulator. And I'm not going to try to even say that word. Actually, I'm going to. Financipektanen. I, I can't do it. If you're from Sweden and you're listening to this, please let me know how to say this. I, I really want to know. <laughs> anyway... 
I think this is very interesting that it comes the day before the proof of work energy meeting in the U.S. Congress tomorrow. Remember, tomorrow at 10:30, the a committee in Congress, the U.S. Congress, is going to talk and have a meeting about proof of work mining and its energy consumption. Is a ban for proof of work the way that they're going to try to attack Bitcoin? Hmm. This actually is very interesting right here because it's going to lead right into what we're talking about. So I'm going to bridge these two news headlines together. Intel is going to enter the Bitcoin mining business, starting with a review of a new Bitcoin mining chip at this year's International Solid State Circuit Conference in February. This is described as a ultra low voltage, energy efficient Bitcoin mining ASIC. That is super interesting. By the way, Intel. They hold about $800,000 worth of Coinbase stock. And so this new trip, how energy efficient will it be? We don't know yet. But imagine if it is, it halves the energy consumption of Bitcoin mining. What if it's also affordable? What if it's readily available? By the way, Intel said it's going to build a new trip factory here in Ohio. Yay for us. We need more, but yay for us. I'm very curious to see if this actually helps the argument for proof of work by making ASIC mining more efficient. What if we get it down to like 10% of the current energy consumption? Will everybody leave it alone then? We'll have to wait and see. There's a battle brewing between the bulls and the bears, says Glassnode in its weekly report. According to Glassnode, it is not clear which direction the price is going to head in the next few months. According to the report, 5.7 million Bitcoin or 30% of all coins in circulation are underwater meaning they're worth less than their owner paid for them. So basically, if it's sitting at 42000 today, everybody paid more for their Bitcoin. 30% of all Bitcoin in circulation right now, people paid more than they're worth right now. It's an important level in history and psychology, says Glassnode. Since May of 2020, every time the percentage of Bitcoin supply in profit has dipped close to or below the 70% barrier, it's been able to pull back, meaning that once we hit this level, Bitcoin bounces back up to a higher price, putting everybody in profit again. The reaction from this level will likely provide insight to the medium-term direction of the Bitcoin market. Further weakness may motivate these underwater sellers to fully capitulate, which means that they're going to sell it. So if we go down even further, 37, 35, 32, a lot of people will want to get out and they're going to sell their Bitcoin at a loss just to kind of save themselves a full loss. However, strong bullish impulse may offer much needed psychological relief. So that means if we go up, we're going to be really bullish, and people are going to maybe cash out with some profit or they're just going to keep hodling because they're going to say up only. We're going to have to wait and see, but this is a very important level according to Glassnode. And finally, the last two stories I have for you today, one that you should have already heard, Microsoft is buying Activision Blizzard. Huge a deal worth around $70 billion. Why are they doing this? Because they want to get into the metaverse. We've heard this so many times in the past couple of weeks. Ever since Facebook pivoted, every company's like, we better get on this. And Microsoft said that the deal would provide the building blocks for the metaverse. And therefore, they are making the move. And the last news I have for you today is Cash App is adding Lightning Network. What does this mean? It means transacting Bitcoin super fast and super cheap. Now, on Cash App in the U.S., which goes back to the comment earlier. If Bitcoin's used via Cash App with the Lightning Network, should it be taxed like capital gains? Is that a taxable event? 
Or should that just be used as cash? And then setting Bitcoin on a legacy system should be thought of as like setting gold. I don't know. See, again, this this conversation keeps being brought up. So many little details to talk about when it comes to how to regulate, how to look at this whole industry, especially Bitcoin, payments, securities, commodities, and so on and so forth. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, leave us a comment, and Spotify, top left corner, just open your app and click five stars. Get us to a thousand ratings by the end of February. And until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone. Ooh, and by the way, I might be a little bit late tomorrow because I want to listen to the energy hearing, the proof of work energy hearing. So the podcast could come out later tomorrow because I want to get all the information I can before I make tomorrow's episode. And until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone.